Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire leaders to pioneer new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there, my name is Paul Fraser. I'm the host of the Multiply Network Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to our very first podcast, episode one. Wow. We really appreciate you taking the time to do that. We're excited about this podcast for lots of reasons. Uh, But maybe the biggest one is we're excited to tell the stories of church multiplication in Canada. We're going to be interviewing some pretty incredible leaders. And every month, we're going to be trying to put one of these out. So make sure that you look and check back often with us, uh, at least monthly, to see when the podcast coming out. We're going to try to have it out by the 15th of every single month. Our interview today is with Pastor Mike Miller from Nova Church in Halifax, Nova Scotia. You're going to want to hear what uh, he has to say, so that interview is coming up right now. Well, excited to have a, a great friend of mine, leader, planter. He's a fantastic communicator. Pastor, husband, father, and nobody can pack a carry-on to a flight like Mike Miller. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Hey, it's good to be here, Paul. I think what you're telling your listeners is I have a lot of baggage, is what you Yes. Saying. No, I cannot believe how light you pack. You'll go for a week and live out of a, what do you call that? It's a canvas bag. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a carry-on because I hate carrying luggage. I hate checking luggage. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for those who may not know you? Well, it's so good to be on here, and I just think the world of Paul. Uh, I'm from Halifax, Nova Scotia, the far east, if you're in Canada. Uh, born and raised in Halifax. I've lived in other parts of the world for short moments of time, but I like to say my mail has always gone to Halifax. and Grew up there. Um, and then, um, in 2000, got married to Nancy, who is from Newfoundland and we met for, we dated for two weeks and then got engaged. So I, I liked it. So I put a ring on it uh, pretty (laughs) quick and we're just getting ready to celebrate our 18th anniversary. And we have two kids and, uh, been in Halifax my whole life. And, um, now we're currently pastoring, um, a new church that started in September called Nova Church. And uh, I was just there in February and absolutely loved my time there. Fantastic culture, exciting, new people coming to Jesus. What led you guys to plant Nova Church? Uh, God dragged us kicking and screaming, I oh. guess. Uh, it, was never, it was never in my heart to be um, the main leader, really, of, every, of anything. Uh, I enjoy leading. I enjoy being a part of a larger team. I never saw myself in a lead pastor role. Back then, we used to call them senior pastors, and mm-hmm. that, just, that just sounds old to me, so we refuse to use that term. Uh, but it was never in my heart to do. I liked following, and I liked leading, um, but I liked being a part of something bigger than myself. And then about uh, four years ago, I started feeling things shift, and where I was pastoring um, as a student pastor and missions pastor over 12 years, uh, great culture, great church. Uh, I just felt like my language and my desires for the how, not the why, the why was the same um, as the church I was at, but the how I found my language was changing. I like to say that we were saying the same thing, but 
Um, they were speaking Chinese and maybe I was speaking Russian. And I just found that um, I, I was thinking different ways. And I started thinking, what if we did something this way? And um, in that time, I, I decided to step away because I believe you need to have unity at all costs. And just thought, let's take a break. And we kept going to the church, but I resigned uh, and actually started traveling and preaching full time. That's when I met you, Paul, and some, so many other amazing leaders uh, in North America. And for two years, we traveled full time. I traveled full time. And in that, um, during that time, God started to really kind of put this dream in there of what a culture would look like. And I like to say, if I couldn't find my tribe, God put it in me to build my tribe. And for the first year, I was kind of looking at options. Would I pastor another part of the country? Or uh, we were interviewing in New York City at a dynamic church. And it just felt like it wasn't me. And in that year, God started putting desires to lead and to build culture and also solidified Halifax as I couldn't get away from, I call it my city. So in that first year, I called it a little bit of grieving, like, hey, you know, I thought I'd be where I was for a while and maybe, you know, I've moved on. What does that look like? And then it started turning into dreaming. And the dreaming had definitely was within the context of starting a new work. And so that started in September. You had a probably a one year ramp to get, would that be fair to say? Like by the time yeah. you, you mm. pulled the trigger in your heart to go, we're doing this. Was it about one year? Uh, more than that in my heart. Uh, but when we, I would say about a year and a half in my heart, but when we announced, you know, and it's, it's never really, um, you're not really held accountable until you make it public, whether it be getting in shape with weight loss or uh, a degree, or in this place, a church plant, we went public with it in late August, and then it was one year later that we actually opened the doors for our first service. And so how's the church going today? I mean, I know how it's going, but maybe some of the strengths, some of the things that uh, mm. you're excited about. Yeah, it's going well. It's um, We like to say that we gave birth. It looks like a three-year-old if you come into our church because we have a lot of um, energy and people and ministries, and there's a lot going on. Uh, but it's like we gave birth to a three-year-old, meaning it looks like a three-year-old, but it acts like a newborn, uh, which is exciting. Newborns are exciting and new dynamics of family, um, but it's still very, very young in a lot of things. We're trying to build culture, uh, but we had the, um, we just won an award last week um, or was the, or honored, I guess probably be a better word. There was this big celebration of all these different wins in the area with a multi-denominational gathering and we we were we were um, recognized for having the largest first day opening of any church plant in the history of Eastern Canada. So that is a win. And on the East Coast, we don't celebrate wins well. We're we always play the other side of well, you know, it's challenging. But we had a great start, which is a real testament to people um, joining with us and being on dynamic people. Um, since then, obviously, you know, we were trained and we knew that you would drop in numbers, but we haven't dropped in momentum or passion. So. The highlights for us have been some amazing people. We like to say, um, before we even started, that we believe some of our best friends we've never met yet. And we were building it not for disgruntled Christians or people that we knew, but for people we've never met. And the amount of breathtaking new friendships over the last year and a half since we announced to now being actually started our services six, seven months ago, um, the people have been the highlight. There's been great numbers. We're closing in on almost 100 people making commitments of faith coming up soon. Um, our attendance is strong. Our giving is getting consistent. Um, we're starting to make reaches into culture, different aspects of culture and 
and industry and, and entertainment and, uh, and seeing leaders developed and grow. So that's been some of the wins so far for sure. And so in the process of, you know, year and a half out in your heart, you know, learning some things there, not quite a, you know, not quite a year, seven months into the church plant. What are some of the things you're learning about church planting in Canada? Uh, I have a friend stateside that said something and I would just echo it. He said, you know, I think I underestimated how challenging it would be to plant a church. And I think I overestimated my leadership ability. And I would say it's probably right in the middle. And I would say the same with me. Uh, Challenging is the leadership capacity. I've always said, I believe the greatest resource of any uh, spiritual leader, any ministry leader is not your lights or your budget, but it's your spirit. And Mm -hmm. in the, and in this, it's been wonderful, but I would like it to parenting or marriage or anything. It's wonderful, but it's very stretching. And I would say my leadership capacity and spirit has stretch marks because of the demands that have been put on it. That's been probably the most challenging part of planting is my own leadership. I'm dealing with people, dealing with my own moods and momentum swings. Um, That's been probably the most challenging part. And, you know, learning, you know, sitting in the first chair now. Yeah. You know, opposed to being that support leader that would come alongside. You're the one yeah. now, you know, along with your wife, creating culture. What are some of the things you're learning about sitting in the first chair now coming out of youth ministry for so many years? Yeah. And uh, again, very different. And um, you never, perspective is a power, powerful thing. We've decided from day one, I, you know, we, we found, I pastored most of my life with millennials and young adults. And they would rather, rather than be in the loop of information, they'd rather have a seat at the table. And we're mm-hmm. seeing, and we've never seen anything like in my life, so many dynamic people in their early 30s, even, even some even in their 40s, giving up six-figure jobs and, and high-influencing high jobs to go after purpose. I know people leaving jobs to go volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, so from day one, what we've decided on was we would make sure we had a big table and people that have a seat at it. Um, that's been challenging as a lead because it sounds good to open up for opinions and styles and tastes and to at least have a conversation, but then to navigate those personalities, to navigate insecurities, to navigate uh, styles and culture. So as the lead, it's been different. Um, but what's been wonderful is we're trying not to build it on a personality or me and my wife's personality, but really on a culture of mm-hmm. community. And that's actually been the greatest uh, joy has been to build team. Um, but saying that, it's challenging because now your mind is not so much think, thinking about services. We joked that services would be the easiest part of this. And um, the most challenging part was logistics. And, you know, no one really, you don't really Instagram those moments. You don't podcast those moments. Uh, but what you do Monday to Saturday sets up what you do Sunday. You reap Sunday what you sowed all week. And a lot of those sowings are meetings that no one will ever see. They're never posted on social media. It's it's graphs, it's budgets, it's errands, it's ordering, it's design, it's tough conversations, it's, it's developing leaders. Um, and that has been the most challenging and rewarding. But being in the lead seat, me and my wife, that has been wonderful. And the other thing is there's always in the back of your mind, you can always say there's a reason why there's a cap on your ministry. Well, if this church would do something different or if that leader maybe recognized me or if I had more freedom in budget, what's nice about this, but also sobering is there's now no ceiling on you 
accept your own limitations as a leader. And we all have mm-hmm. them, but there is no, and I wasn't a finger pointer to begin with, but what really what it is, is it's yours to make it. Um, and there really is no more excuses. You can, you make a way or you make an excuse, but now it, it rests on you and, and uh, your leadership. Yeah. You have an interesting um, setup with pastoring with your wife. Now there's, yeah. there's lots of uh, pastors that, that do that. Um, how's it been for you guys? I know that uh, it's been pretty positive as you shared with me while I was out there visiting some of the things you're learning about pastoring with your wife and how she's navigating it. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest and I'll be vulnerable. Um, that was the thing I was most hesitant, not about making the decision, but how it was going to go. And I've spent most of my ministry years, um, identifying training, raising and launching leaders. And I really wanted to do that with my wife. There's unbelievable giftings and character inside her. And I thought, and I also saw a dynamic. I, I've never sat under co-pastors, uh, husband and wife. I've seen it from afar. I've been at churches, but I've never sat under it. So it's not natural. I, I haven't seen it. The what, the what I saw in my heart, I've never seen in person. So um, it's, it's one of these things where we, we didn't really have a roadmap. Um, and at the same time as you're developing leadership, I've never co-led. I've followed people and I've led people. I've never co-led in any capacity. So I was a little hesitant. I'll tell you though, Paul, it has been the most rewarding, best thing we have done. Our marriage, I can honestly say, has never been better. Um, our family has never been more unified. There's never been more laughter. Um, there's definitely strain and work with responsibility, but it has been wonderful. I said to my wife, I said to her, I said, I feel like we've never gotten along better. And she's <laughs> like, no, I don't think so. I was like, what? And I was like, okay. And she's like, I was like, let me rephrase it. I feel like we've never been more synced. And she said, Yes, I would agree. So we've always gotten along, but it felt like we were in different worlds and we come back together for in the evenings or on weekends. But now we're in the same world. And when we launched, we made it intentional that most of the meetings we were at together. So really, this is I do majority of the preaching um, and she does a lot of the team development, but we're equal. She knows what's in the bank account. She knows what every leader does. She knows every system, the why, the how. Um, and it's not just on the front row being a presence. She's actually DNA. And to see her come alive and also see the church respond to that and to realize that we are actually better together, we're stronger. Right. Uh, and, and to see the capacity grow for the church um, that it's not on me has been so wonderful in my own, in my own experience. In this new role, um that I'm in as church multiplication coordinator, I'm hearing some incredible stories and everything you said about working with your wife. I, I saw that happening, both cheering each other on, even the kids were excited and yeah, uh, your mom and dad were even there pretty excited. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah we couldn't keep them away. Yeah. No. And so, you know, it's really, really good, but Nova church really is becoming a, a great story, like is a great story and becoming a great story, not just yeah. for the Maritimes district, right across Canada. And it's exciting. And we, I've been telling people this, that every church plant we have, it's not just a win for the district or the city you're in. It's a win for Canada because yeah. it's absolutely correct. We're, we are better together. And as you guys were working through, you know, how you were going to plant the church, I'm sure the conversation came up with, well, who do we plant with? Do we 
remain an, an independent church, to become under covering of a network. Right. You ended up choosing the PAUC, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. What led you to that decision? Yeah, it was interesting because I grew up in an independent church. I'd never been a part of any fellowship or denomination. And um, I realized early on I had this desire to connect and not in the way the kids say today. I'm not even sure if the kids say it anymore, but the word thirsty where you want attention from somebody or you want to retweet or you want them to be friends on social media. But I had this desire to connect, especially with other um, young men and, and men, just a, a brotherhood and um, I would say, even go as far as say there's an anointing on my life to do that with no angle. I didn't want anything except relationship. So I've always kind of had that bend in my life. Um, I love connecting other leaders with me, nothing to do, nothing to gain from it. Just one leader from one part of the country to another leader from somewhere else. And I know they'd be great friends. So that was in my heart to begin with. Um, I never wanted to do ministry alone. I've always heard ministry and leadership was lonely. But it's not been my experience. And going into this, I also knew that I would trade everything I don't know for what I do know. I knew I didn't know enough. And I didn't want to do something on my own. Again, I've never had a desire to lead on my own. Mm -hmm. So so looking at this new role, I thought I'm going to be the leader. But that desire to still be a part of something bigger was still there. Um, As I started to think about it and, and... options came in and people approached us seeing to partner, I realized that for me, really home is a face, not a place. And Halifax is the place, but for me, it's relationships. And on my best day and worst day, and I've had some challenging moments in the last couple of years, and especially even in the last seven months of planting, I wouldn't say bad moments, but challenging. But I realized on my best moments and worst moments, it's not a service I need or even a podcast. It's, 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 it's a person, it's a relationship. And you're one of these guys in my life. And I could list other guys that I would call and text and celebrate great wins, whether it be on the golf course, which I didn't get that many of those, or, or challenging <laughs> moments with relationships or health. Or, and I thought, if I'm going to do this, I need a band of brothers and a, and a really a, a tribe. And when I looked at the most common denominator on the Canadian side of the border, it was the PAOC. It was guys like yourself and guys like Mark Caldwell and Jeremy Albrecht and Matt Tapley and Jason Eliason and other people, different churches and youth ministries and lead pastors and Rick boys and in London. And all of a sudden I realized the common thread was Pentecostal assemblies. So I thought if I'm going to do this, I need a tribe that I know I can count on that believe more in me for who I am than what I do. And that's why we decided. And then the local district here, Jim Malloy and Kevin Johnson, they approached us and, They've been always celebrating us. Even when we weren't connected to them through fellowship or district, they would celebrate our wins of of ministry over the years. So it was very much a natural fit to go with them. And so glad to have you. I remember when you were at our pastor's camp filling out the credential forms and, you know, Mm. going back and forth and trying to, you know, figure it all out. I kept kept asking you for cheat sheets. Give (laughs) me some answers. Yeah, give you some answers. And (laughs) what am I supposed to say? And, but, yeah. you know, that, that process and that journey um, led you to, you know, some great relationship. And, and I think that's encouraging for church planters to hear that, I, you know, I think sometimes there's, a, there's this growing sentiment, I think, some, of some young leaders, not all, where it's like, ah, big organization, they don't get it. Right. You know, they can't come alongside an entrepreneurial thinker or leader. And, 
Right. And uh, and I think there are I think there are times that that is true, uh, but you know to hear your story, talk about your your connection and experience with relationship, uh, I think that's you know at the end of the day the Pentecostal Assembly of Canada is about relationship. Yeah, there's structures. Right. Yeah, there's things, but if we don't have relationship, we don't have much. And since then, I'll say this: we went in looking for nothing except relationship. Um, but from that, there's actually been amazing resources. And again, that wasn't our why, but churches and districts getting on board, whether it be sending checks and some very large checks to just checking in going, Hey, how are you? And not, Hey, yeah. not, ha- not how many numbers did you run this week, but Hey, how's your, how's your wife? How's your kids? You know, are you having fun? What do you need? Um, that has been a breath of fresh air that no podcast, no Instagram, no Facebook group. And I am so very thankful for that. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And good on the Maritimes District for mm-hmm. for for really taking initiative when it comes to church multiplication. And I know they celebrate your wins, but there's also other church plants happening right. that yes, they're working very hard with. And so just want to give them some, uh, some yeah. credit today. What were some resources you found helpful in planting in the process? Uh, for me, one resource was... Um, organization called ARC, uh, which is a church planning organization in Canada, uh, fairly new and up and coming in Canada, but stronger in the States. And for me, we weren't joining with their government or even their finances, but more of culture. And I didn't say it, but I use it all the time that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I just needed, again, I needed to see something, experience something. And so they really gave us a great experience. And, you know, I believe in encouragement is when you borrow someone else's courage and I, you know, people say different parts of the country are tough. I think everywhere do anything is tough, but on the East coast, there isn't a lot of places where I saw what was in my heart, not saying we're the best way, but what I saw in my heart, I had not seen. So one thing ARC did would give me a chance to uh, see some of that experience it. And then just some practical steps and resources of how to launch a church. The other one was purely relational. And I had the privilege of traveling full-time for two years, um, which is some amazing moments. And some very average moments and everything in between. But in the middle of there, I had a chance to experience some really breathtaking churches and some really bad churches. Um, And in the middle of that, you can learn something from everything. And on that journey, I would learn that works really well or the way they address their team or that workshop or, hey, they, they tell me this didn't work and I wish I'd never done that. So really learning from those that have gone ahead of me in ministry was a great resource uh, and then ARC was an invaluable resource for us. Any books, any websites, things like that uh, we can include in the the show notes at the end? Anything that was helpful for you? Yeah, one book I would call Essentialism. It's not a spiritual-based book. Essentialism, really the whole premise of the book is focusing your energy on what is essential. And I think we confuse busy for being productive in life. Um, it takes as much energy to swim laps as it does to tread water. The difference is you actually go somewhere swimming laps. Um, it just taught me how to reinforce things I have known but forgotten, how to say no, how to eliminate things from your life, how to really hone in. And I think some of us are so busy going everywhere and doing everything. So that really helped me. And then on the spiritual side, one of my favorite authors, I'd say my favorite author is Mark Batterson. He wrote a book that's been around for a while now. In fact, there's been a follow-up book, but the book was – in the pit with a lion on a snowy day. And it was right. just about, just about courage. And I'd realized 
um, courage had been lulled to sleep in my life more than I would admit. Um, and it started to awaken things even before I resigned where I was and started thinking about the next chapter. It awoken something inside of me I didn't know was asleep. And it looked like frustration, but it was actually the breeding ground for movement in my life. So that book awoken some things. And if you're going to do anything for God, especially church planning, you've got to have some grit. Right. But you've, but you've got to have some courage and you've got to not be afraid to stare down a thousand pound lion and uh, take it on. So I would say those two books, one practically and one really motivationally would be those two. And so we've got different people listening to the podcast today. We've got, I, you know, I would assume planters right. who are already doing it potential planters who are thinking about it, senior pastors mm. who are thinking about multiplying, maybe sending out, right. uh, you know, an entrepreneurial plant. So some advice, some thoughts, some encouragement, what would you say to, to those leaders and, and uh, how would you encourage them? Yeah, great question, Paul. Uh, first thing I would say is, you know, church planting is a great thing for a lot of reasons. We've seen people come to know, uh, know Christ in their faith, but we've seen people activated in their giftings and not saying the church they were at wasn't a good church, but, you know, we get to a level where certain people do certain jobs and um, everything with the Bible is new. That's why we called Nova church. Nova is Latin for new. Nova Scotia is new Scotland. And we've seen people that have been in church for 15, 20, 30, even 40 years, all of a sudden have a new role, new passion, that only comes when you something new. It wasn't because the leaders they were at didn't recognize them, but sometimes jumping off the end of a dock would put you into a new arena. So it's been refreshing for people's faith to be renewed. Um, the other thing I would say is if you know, you're going to plant or do anything, just don't underestimate the power of grit, just grit. Right. I, I, and I don't know how you define grit, but it's that old keep on keeping on. It's that toughness. It's that, You know, there's something about, you know, when the old quote, when Jesus is all you have, he's all you need, you know, planning a church when you have no salary, um, there's no plan B. Um, People are moving across the country in our case to join us, volunteer. You know, we had three different couples move from different parts of the country. Like there's not this, I'm not feeling this anymore. This isn't as exciting or, you know, I compare it with another, another church and go, they got their thousands and we got our dozens somewhere inside of you, you got to know that you are called by God to do it and that there is no plan B. And just that grit of getting up and realizing that what you sow on during the week, you'll reap on a Sunday, just the, the toughness. And I will say this, I wouldn't have had the courage or the grit to do this at 30. I'll be 43 in a few weeks. And uh, I thank God there are guys in the thirties and twenties that have the courage to do this. But for me, the greatest thing I've learned and the greatest resource I've had has just been, and my wife's as well as the grit mm-hmm. and the t- and the toughness to get through my own moods, my own lack of motivation, and I've I've hit walls of motivation where I didn't want to do it, do anything, and just to push through that. So I would say just the value of it, and then just the sure get up and go and motivation that God's called you to do it. And it's gonna take it's gonna take that grit, and I would add another word that tenacity. Yeah, I agree. To to be, you know, you can be courageous. There's got to be that grit, that tenacity for reaching people far from God. I mean, currently right now, church planting, church multiplication is showing results of reaching people for Jesus as the best way to do it in Canada. Yeah. And, and we need to invigorate our movement again. 
one of the things of the Multiply Network is we want to try to virus our church, our existing churches right. for multiplication. And so that they sneeze and they they don't yeah. they never wash their hands. You know, it's kind of like spread that virus of church multiplication wherever yeah. you're going and be a champion, champion for it. And I know you are just on a personal level. What are you doing to stay healthy? It's busy. You know, you have to do a lot of extra stuff that that maybe was a different than the youth ministry and your travel schedule isn't as, you know, the two years previous, there's tons of travel. Yeah. Yeah. You got a new rhythm. What yeah. what what do you do to stay healthy, stay fresh and keep that relationship with God alive? Yeah. Great question. Still learning that, to be honest, still figuring that out um, in January to be very vulnerable. I hit a wall of motivation. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't down. I was happy. Yeah. Um, church, church was going well numbers wise. Everything was great. I just lost all motivation. I didn't want to do anything. I, I just, and I realized, you know, the old quote when I was growing up was new levels, new devils, but really it's new rhythms. And so for me, practically going back to the basics. So I just came from a six K walk. Uh, my wife has gone through some health stuff. She's, she's healthy and everything's good, but We've had to navigate some things on the physical, healthy side of life. So we just went for a 6K walk. Practically, real practically, we don't eat a lot of meat or dairy. We've had to change our diet just to try to give some fuel. Um, professionally, I, I say no to a lot of things. If it doesn't, you know, I was saying last night to our team, it's not a matter of right or wrong. That's the base. We've settled that. You know, there's there's right and wrong. Now the next level is, does it help or hurt the calling of God? And oh, that's good. Some, there are some things that are good, but they're not great. They're good, but they're not right for us. So I've, I'm turning down speaking engagements if I can't get back for Sunday. And then there's other speaking engagements that are good, but I just know my energy won't be here to push this, this ball up the hill that is Nova Church. So I've had to say no a lot. Like even this week, district, we have district conference, which is dynamic and fantastic. But just where we're at energy-wise, um, I didn't want to go to it without my wife. For my wife to come with me, we would have to navigate childcare, and we just – had navigated childcare, do some other things last week. And I thought, you know what? I'm choosing to fail in one thing so I don't fail my family, fail my own motivation and fail the church. So new boundaries. Um, and then I'm also just eliminating clutter in my own head. So mm -hmm. I, act, I actually podcasted. I don't podcast really. Maybe I might listen to four or five a year. Today, me and my wife sat down and watched a sermon from a great communicator and a great friend on the West Coast and just felt, I, and I purposely didn't have my phone or my iPad. I didn't take notes because I didn't want to try to implement something. I just wanted to eat right. and um, some of those rhythms and also just have some fun. I'm, right. I'm, I'm purposely putting fun into my life, like uh, sports and movies and relationship stuff. So those are some practical things to try to keep my rhythm up. Well, one of the things that I'm noticing as I talk with different planters is how tired they are. Yeah. And one of the things that I try to encourage them with is, there was this book, I can't even remember the author, The Power of Full Engagement, and talks about that high performers don't manage time, they manage energy. Right, I believe that. I, I heard that teaching years ago, and I'll do that. If I got a high-energy morning, I'll have a low-key night. But I also live a very boring life most of the week, intentionally. <laughs> I, I tuck my kids in, I Netflix, I, I wash the car, I, I, I purposely, like, my Instagram account is accurate. But I live a boring life because I want to pour my energy. And Sundays, I start loading the truck at 6.30. Yeah. And we, fin and we finish some nights at 10 o'clock with team meetings. Yeah. And, and then we do nothing on Monday. 
So yeah. that's right, Paul. It's about energy. And I think, and it's good for planters to hear that sometimes you got to prioritize. There will be a season, Mike, I, I believe for you that as the church grows and structures grow, that voice that you have to not only our nation and guest speaking in the States and all those different places, that'll come back to you again. But I think you're making the wise decision to make the church the priority. And uh, so I want to bless you in that. I want to thank you for being here and uh, being part of the, the first ever Multiply Network podcast. And thanks also for being on our Catalyst team. You're speaking into the vision of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada as we're launching the Multiply Network. So blessings to you and Nance and the family. And uh, anything that we could pray for you for, um, for Nova Church, for you guys, any any prayer request you'd have? Yeah, I first just want to say thank you to you. And I know this is the part you won't enjoy, but um, knowing you for the last few years, I just can't think of anybody else to be better in this role because you don't care about titles or positions, but you do care about people and the church. And um, you've been a huge help to me when I had nothing to offer um, anything ministry wise, but purely relational. And then your family is dynamic. So that has been, that just encourages me. That builds my courage knowing we get the right people in the right places. So I'm excited about the future. Um, you've been a great friend. Uh, as far as prayer requests, just pray for our energy, um, mm-hmm. pray, pray for influence. We just don't want to have a church. We believe we're called to influence culture. We want to not be famous on a Sunday morning. Right. We want Jesus, to be, Jesus to be famous in every coffee shop. And that's not a line. That is a passion for us. So just pray for energy, pray for our team and that pray that we can make inroads into culture. We're not looking to take from other churches. We want to build inroads into culture. Right. Just pray for, pray for that favor. Yeah. All right. Check it out. Nova church in Halifax and Mike Miller and Nance Miller that are leading it. We bless you guys. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you guys. Thank you.